Well, this week is Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm excited about that. And one of the things I love to do during this time of year is just kind of share a little bit of the history of Thanksgiving. I know um, in, in school culture, it was kind of painted, you know, this picture of, of pilgrims and Indians, and, and there's some accuracy to that. But I believe one of the reasons that, that Thanksgiving's kind of been pushed to the side because people don't really get the history of it. And so I want to share with you just a little bit. And so Americans traditionally, again, recognize the first Thanksgiving is having taken place with the Pilgrim Colony, right? And that took place around 1621 um, as they came together just to give thanks that they had survived that winter. And, and so that's what we hear in school. That's what we know. And then after that, Thanksgiving was continued, um, continued to be celebrated periodically with European colonies. They would come together, no rhyme or reason as far as date, but the thing that they would come together for was united. It was for Thanksgiving and prayer. That's the thing that was taken out of it in school, the thing that we didn't learn, right? That, that it was meant and always meant to recognize God, to go to God with prayer and petition, to seek him and give thanks about what was taking place or about what he'd done in our lives. And that's the heart behind it. And that continued early on. But on December 18th, 1777, during the Revolutionary War, the United States celebrated its first national Thanksgiving Day. And if you're a historian here, you're like, yeah, but we weren't a country then. We weren't. General George Washington in the Revolutionary War called a National Day of Thanksgiving, which is really peculiar because we were getting our butts whooped by the Europeans and it wouldn't make much sense to give thanks, right? What do we have to give thanks for? Again, gratitude, it's, it's about the condition of a heart, not necessarily what we have. And so again, General George Washington said, we're going to give thanks to God in this moment. And then later on, October 3rd, 1789, that was the first proclamation, National Day of Thanksgiving as we were a country. And I want to share with you part of that proclamation. George Washington said this, he said, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. This is the history of Thanksgiving that I believe is just lost on, on generation after generation to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, to next to be devoted by the people of these United States to the service, to the service of that great and glorious being to God, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, and that will be. That's Thanksgiving. That, that as we're coming into this week, that, that's Thanksgiving. I mean, and I love, I love turkey. I love time with my family, with my friends. But, but I believe if, if this was talked about more, that the, even from the beginning, it was meant as a time to go before God in reverence of who he was and what he's done. Not, not because of what we have, but again, because of who he is and what he's done. And then Abraham Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War on October 3rd, 1863. Again, this is in the middle of the Civil War. Brutal battle, no end in sight. He again proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving 
And he said this, it to be a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent father who dwelt in the heavens. That's what Thanksgiving's about. It's about going to God. It's about seeking him and pursuing him and giving thanks for all he's done. And, and, and there was times when these days were proclaimed that there was no light at the end of the tunnel, that, that by all accounts, there wasn't much to be grateful for, but there was, right? Because even in the bad times, even in the hard times, God's good. And so this, these last few weeks, we've been encouraging you that in spite of the season of life you're in, in spite of the cards you've been dealt, that God is still good. God is still moving. God is still working. It's up to us to recognize that and to pursue him in every area of our lives. And so we kicked it off by talking about defeating a troubled heart because the holidays are hard. And I've been in places of difficulty during the season when I lacked financially, where relationships were broken, where I was far from my family. But even in the middle of that, that if we put Thanksgiving in the context that it was intended to go before a loving father, that there's still something to give thanks for. And then last week, we talked about developing, growing a grateful heart because it's a process. It takes work. It's something that has to be developed over time. And as we put those things into action on the outside, God begins to work them on the inside. And so our key passage for all this has been Psalms 100. And Psalms 100, starting in verse 1, it says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy, acknowledging that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And I love that because this is Moses. This is uh, um, what he, he wrote here. And, and there's no condition on it, right? And that's kind of, again, what we think. We come into the holiday season and, and we're angry and we're bitter and life is difficult. And I get it. And we have great cause to be that way this year. I mean, inflation's soaring. Everybody's broke. I don't know anybody who's not. And, and we lose sight. We lose sight of how good God is. And we lose sight of this, that in spite of where we're at, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of what God's given us, that we shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth, we worship him. No conditions, no strings. Because even in our difficult places, God is still good and God deserves our praise and worship. In verse four, it says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And last week we talked about what, what a personal invitation that is. That, that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. If you have a fence around your property, you know what a personal space that is, right? You, you, don't, you don't want a stranger coming in. That. It's, it's an invitation to go into his gates, to enter his courts Right? And we talked about how the courtyard oftentimes was the center of the home, that you had to go through the dwelling, through the personal space. is an invitation to fellowship. And this is how we enter the presence of God, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. And in verse five, it says, for the Lord is good. That, that, that's why, that, that's the condition and that doesn't change because God's unfailing. God, God doesn't shift, right? He's the same today as he will be tomorrow and as he was yesterday. And so because of that, that's why we do this. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love 
continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. And so tonight, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. And tonight's message is titled this, The Good Leper. The Good Leper. And what I want to talk about is living in gratitude, right? We've defeated a troubled heart. We've developed a heart of gratitude. How do we stay there? How do we, how do we maintain it? How are we going to go into our Tuesday world, our Friday world, and those places? How are we going to enter the Christmas season where we can't afford things for our children and, and hold on to what God wants us to hold on to? And I think there's a lot of insight in the story of where Jesus healed the 10 lepers. And so we're going to be in Luke tonight. We're going to exclusively be in Luke. And, and I want to talk about this story. It takes place in Luke 17. And, and Jesus healed 10 lepers. And you may be familiar with it. You may not. This may be your first time in church. And, and so I want to let you know this, that, that Luke is at the beginning of the New Testament. Your Bible's divided into two sections, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, simply put, is, is before Jesus New Testament is after, and then at the beginning of our New Testament, we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one tells about the life and the ministry of Jesus, and Luke was written by a Gentile, um, a physician, and it was detailed, and it was written to a guy named Theopolis, and so here Luke is detailing this account, firsthand account, eyewitness um, account of what Jesus did here, and he's, he's talking about these lepers, and so lepers, again, we don't, we don't deal with that today. So you may be wondering, what in the world is a leper? It was somebody who had a, a brutal skin disease. And, and they, they could lose fingers from it, right? It would, it would eat away at their body, their eyes, and, and it was horrific. But the thing that was more horrific than the disease is what happened to the people who got it in this time. They were removed from their family from their friends, from their community, and they were isolated. They were put out um, into colonies to live and ultimately die alone. They weren't allowed to interact with the community anymore. They were, they were shamed. They were unclean. They couldn't, they couldn't approach people. They could actually be stoned to death for getting too close to somebody without announcing that they had leprosy. It was a horrible thing. And so we're going to look at an account where Jesus heals 10 of them. And so starting in, in chapter 17, verse 11, it says, As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so these guys were together again because they had to live in a colony. They were at a distance because they couldn't approach somebody. I mean, fear of death. That could be a death penalty. And they cry out, Master, Master, have mercy on us. And when I look at this leprosy, we may not deal with it today, but, but you may find yourself in this situation, in this position. I know me and my addiction that, that I often felt like this. I felt like this trying to come to churches there were certain churches where I felt I had to stand at the door, at the street, and say, can I come in? Will you help me? And nobody wanted anything to do with me. There was holidays that I went through where I felt distant from my family, and it may have been because of my actions, but I just cried out, Lord, but it was always at a distance. But Jesus, he, he deals with them differently. He said he looked at them, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. That as he looked upon them, 
He wasn't indifferent to their need. He's not indifferent to your needs. He's not indifferent to your condition. As we wrapped up tonight's worship service, seeing that he's a God of miracles, right? This is, this is a house of miracles. We're talking about this Jesus here. And as he healed people then, he moves in our lives today. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They, the disease was taken from them. It continues, this is one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what, for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And then continuing in 17, he said, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to go through this short bit of scripture, passage by passage. And, and I believe that God has something to reveal to us in this season as we're looking at, at Thanksgiving, as we're looking at what he, he does in our lives, what he wants to do in your lives. And tonight, what do we need to know if we want to live in gratitude, if we want to stay there and not be defeated through the holiday season. Point number one is this. Gratitude is a condition of the heart. We need to recognize, we need to realize that gratitude is a condition of the heart. There is a difference between being thankful and giving thanks, right? I mean, my wife and I, we have six children, and there's times that they say thank you, and they don't mean it, right? They just, they, they're indifferent, they just, they don't want to get in trouble. But if we're being honest, how often do we give thanks to God for something he's done in our life? And, and we're like the eight-year-old who doesn't mean it. We just know we're supposed to. We're paying God lip service. But gratitude is about more than that outward expression. It's about a condition of the heart. And so all 10, all 10 were willing to do a religious ceremony, right? They were willing to call out to the teacher have mercy on us, heal us. They were willing to do that. They were all willing to go and see the priest, which was required to, to reveal that they were healed, right? That, that, was a, that was a ceremony. That was a process so that they could be accepted back to the community. All were willing to do that, but only one was willing to go back to Jesus. External religious exercises are easy enough, right? It's easy to show up. It's easy to say that we love God. It's easy to, to wear a cross around our neck or put a sticker in the back of our, our car window. But gratitude is a condition of the heart. And the only way that, that we get there is by recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done, that, that, that our hearts are changed, that they're shifted. When we have a recognition of, of the God of miracles, the God of the Bible and what he's done for us, and so it's more of an outward expression. It's more, it's more than what people see. It's what we do in secret. That's gratitude. Gratitude is the way that we respond to God when nobody's watching, when nobody's looking at you, when there's no expectation put on you by, by your family or by those in the church. That's gratitude. And when the one went back, again, he went back to praise alone. And I just, I just think, would I have done that? 
Or would I have stayed with the nine so that they could see me? Praise God, we're healed, right? Do you guys, you see me? I'm so grateful. He went away from them to that secret place. And his gratitude, because it was a condition of the heart, it brought him to the feet of Jesus. It brought him to the feet of Jesus. Luke 17, 14, he said he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. It was taken away from them. One of them, say one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. When we have that shift in our heart, true gratitude, true recognition of who God is and what he does, it brings us to the feet of Jesus. It brings us to him, and again, just in reverence. And that's what Thanksgiving's about. That, that's, that's the holiday. That's its beginning. That's its roots. And we have to recognize that. This is one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. That, this man was a Samaritan. He, he praised, but he thanked, right? That there, was, there was an action, there was a recognition because gratitude is a condition of the heart. Second, if we want to live in gratitude, if, if we want to stay there, if we want to defeat the weight of the season, the, the weight of our lives and our struggles, I want you to know this, point number two, Jesus notices our lack of gratitude. Jesus missed the nine. That when we're looking at Jesus healing the 10, he didn't praise the one that came back. We're like, I'm so, look at you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for, no. Where are the nine? Didn't I heal 10? And Jesus recognizes our lack of gratitude. And when I think about that, I was so convicted because God's been so good to me. And I focus on failures. I focus on what I don't have. I allow my heart to be troubled, to be discouraged. And there's so much that he's done for me that I haven't taken a, a single moment of time to say, God, thank you. God, thank you. I mean, when we think about the fact that, that everything that's good and pleasing comes from, from God and, and we look at this story here and, and we get the picture and the, the realization that, that Jesus notices our lack of gratitude. How often are we going back to him and saying, God, thank you. I prayed for this and you're faithful. God, I needed your help and you were there. You showed up, you moved in my marriage. You, you moved in my child's life. Father, you've helped me in my struggle with addiction. Again, if we want to live in Thanksgiving, we learned last week, we've got to grow in it. That it's, it's a daily exercise as we daily enter his gates with praise, daily enter his gates with thanksgiving. God grows that, that grateful heart and, and we need to stay there and we need to realize he notices when we're absent. And so... Jesus missed the nine who did not return to give thanks. He marveled. He marveled at it. And Jesus notices our lack of gratitude. And I want you to know, Jesus he desires relationship with you. He's not a genie. 
He's not here just to do his favors, but as he moves in our life, he, he desires us to move closer to him. He desires to be closer to you. In verse 17, 18, it said, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? True gratitude is more than an outward expression. It's a condition of the heart. When we have that top type of gratitude, again, it, it elicits a response. That gratitude, true gratitude will bring us to Jesus. True gratefulness, walking this out, living it, we should have no choice but to show up, to praise him, to thank him, to share what he's done with the people in our world, to be on our knees. That, that man fell to his knees. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. Gratitude is a condition of the heart. Jesus notices our lack of gratitude. And it's when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus, this last part, it's when we find ourselves there, when we get this, when we're living in gratitude, when we're, we're living with that thankful heart, when we're walking out our recovery with this mindset, when we're walking out our marriage with this mindset, when, when we're living it day in and day out, this last part, it's in, that's when we experience the fullness of God's blessing. And that's point number three, gratitude allows us to experience God's complete blessing. No one stands in our way more than we do. No, no, one, no one keeps me farther from God than I do. And, and you may be in here tonight and, and you're just wondering, God, I don't hear from you. God, why aren't you speaking to me? And, and I want to challenge you with this thought. He is. It, it's an ungrateful heart that keeps us separated from God. Because if we, if we have that shift inside of us, if we allow that gratitude to bring us to Jesus, he's right there. He's, he's ready. He's willing. He desires that relationship. He wants to speak to you in your situation. In verse 19, it says, And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. The King James says this, your faith has made you whole. That Jesus, he healed 10 men. And we know this, all 10 were cleansed of leprosy. As they went to see the priests, their leprosy was cleansed. And this man came back. He allowed his gratitude to be a condition of his heart because that was what it was. It brought him to the feet of Jesus. And it was in that moment, he received something the other, the other nine didn't. That God moved in his life differently. God, God revealed something extra to him, did an extra work. Did a work in his heart? Not for sure. Made his body complete. Maybe the others were just taken away of their disease and, and this man's body was regenerated and, and brought to wholeness. But the thing that we know for certain, there was something different he experienced. And when we have gratitude like this, when we live in Thanksgiving daily, it brings us to a place where we experience the completeness of God's blessing, the wholeness of it, the fulfillment of all that God wants for us. But if we operate in ungratefulness, if it's just an outward expression, thanks God, and we just keep moving away from him, 
and we're just waiting for the next prayer to be answered, right? The next wish or whatever it may be. And we don't allow it to shift our mindset and to shift our position to the feet of Jesus. What have we missed out on? What has God wanted to do in your life that today you're discouraged or angry at him? And really, it was, he was waiting on you to come back. I'm confident of this. What that one received, God wanted all 10 to receive the same thing. That, that God wasn't indifferent with the nine, but, but only one of them allowed God to move in his heart in a way that brought him back to proximity so that he could receive it. Again, how often do we do it? How often do we miss out on something? How much different would our life be if we lived in gratitude in a way like this that kept us coming to the feet of Jesus and thanking him for all that he's done? So when Jesus said this again, he brought this man to wholeness. He completed him. He says, your faith has healed you. I want to close with a passage from 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says this, always, say always. Always Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all, say all, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This was the Apostle Paul. And this is a a picture of what we should do when we look at that that proclamation from from Washington, the the heart of the holiday, I believe is rooted in this. It's always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. This is living and walking with an attitude of gratitude, with a thankful heart, entering his gates with praise. Always be joyful, never stop praying, give thanks in all circumstances. Not because your life is perfect, but because God is. Not because you have everything you want, but because he provides everything you need. Because he moves in your situation today. I want to encourage you as you go into this week, as you go into the holiday season, that you take this with you. That you take this mindset, you take this attitude, you take a heart of gratefulness. And I have no doubt that when we open our eyes to the truth of God's word, when we walk and live an attitude of praise, that we'll experience God's complete blessing. To recap tonight, point number one was this, gratitude is a condition of the heart. Gratitude is a condition of the heart. You can say thank you. You can raise your hands. But but true gratefulness brings us back to Jesus, brings us back to Jesus. That's how we know we really are walking this out. Number two, Jesus notices our lack of gratitude. He misses you when you're gone. He desires relationship with you. That how amazing is that? The God of the Bible, the creator of everything, he notices our absence. He notices our lack of gratitude. And number three, gratitude allows us to experience God's complete blessing. When we look at this story, out of the 10 men, one received all that God had for him. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one I want to take as many people as I can with me to his feet to experience what he has. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. When you leave here, when you go into tomorrow, you're going to face challenges. Life's going to be difficult. But that shouldn't impact your heart. It shouldn't impact your relationship with him. And I encourage you to to always be joyful. Never stop praying and give thanks in all circumstances. 
everything we talked about tonight, all of this, this, this joy, this gratitude, the, the thankfulness in my heart, it comes because of a relationship with Jesus, right? That everything is centered and pivots around that, that, that I, can be, I can be thankful when I struggle because God's still good because I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and you can be too, and, and, and that's what it's all about. And so I want to encourage you tonight that if you're in here and, and you've, never, you've never heard that, you've never recognized that, you've never experienced what a real relationship with Jesus is, we want to encourage you here at the end of service, we're going to have some people up front. They would love, love to lead you in a prayer. They would love to pray for you and with you so that you can receive the greatest gift, a gift that keeps us thankful through every circumstance. And that's a recognition that, that Jesus is Lord, that he came to die so that we could be saved and forgiven and so that we could walk and journey with him forever. And, and number two, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe you used to walk in gratitude. Maybe you used to be in proximity to him, but, but you've wandered, you've drifted, you're, you're far from home, and you want to know tonight, my pastor, can, can I come back? Is it too late? It's never too late. It's never too late to come back to the feet of Jesus. And, and so if you need to recommit tonight, I want to encourage you again, same offer at the end of service, to step out of your seat and to come down front, allow us to pray with you and for you so that you can come back into relationship with him. So you can have something to be grateful for again. So you can experience the joy of your salvation. And then maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're in here and you just want to know, can, can somebody pray with me? It's, it's a hard season. I get it, right? It's, it's difficult. Your situation is difficult. We want to journey with you. We want to be here for you. And so if that's you, if, if you need prayer for something, I want to encourage you to come down front and, and allow us to pray with you. And then lastly... Maybe there's something that you need to let go of. Maybe it's a, an ungrateful heart. Maybe it's a, an addiction, a struggle, an, an attitude, any number of things. I want to encourage you to come grab a white chip off this table at the end of service. And there's nothing special about it. It's, it's a piece of plastic. But when we step out, when we act in faith, when, when we come down in recognition that, that God can move, that's significant. And I think God honors that kind of faith. And so if that's you, if you're in this service tonight and there's something that, that God's Spirit's just been dinging you with, that you realize that you need to let go of, that you need to, to deal with, and you're ready to hand it over to Him, we want to encourage you to come down and get a white chip tonight. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to receive prayer, or to pick up a white chip, we want to encourage you to join us down front. And if everybody would, if you would just stand to your feet as we close in worship.